Greetings in the name of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Pastor Dwight Oswald, and today our devotion finds ourself in Matthew 25, 41 through 46. This is the last in the series that I've had on Matthew 24 and 25. I've titled this little devotional, Depart From Me, You Cursed. At the second coming of Christ, there is going to be a worldwide judgment. Christ will separate the sheep, that is the saved Gentiles, on his right from the goats, the unsaved Gentiles, on his left. And this is what he will say to those on the left. Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. To be cursed in this context is to be placed under the eternal judgment of God, whereby one is removed from the presence of God and destined to a place of eternal misery and torment in everlasting fire. The eternal domain of the lost is consistently described as a place of outer darkness in combination with everlasting fire. Henry Morris says, quote, Those who are offended by the idea of eternal hellfire as the abode of the lost, must at least reckon with this fact, that it was Jesus Christ himself who set forth this doctrine most emphatically. End of quote. The everlasting fire is not stated to have been prepared for lost humanity, but rather for the devil and his angels. The devil's angels are fallen angels who followed him in his rebellion and are called demons. God specifically prepared hellfire for them. But all those who follow Satan in his rebellion will join him in his hellbound fate. If you don't want God, you will have Satan and the demons forever. Revelation 20 verse 10, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Warren Wiersbe says, quote, Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. God never prepared hell for people. There is no evidence from Scripture that God predestinates people to go to hell. End of quote. Jesus continues, Matthew 25, 42 through 45. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not take me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Note, it's all about Jesus. He mentions either I or me 19 times in this section. How one treats Jesus tells the story on them, and how one treats the brethren of Christ is really how they are treating him. This is sobering on a number of levels. But here we find it is telling on who is really saved and who is not, who will go into the kingdom and who will not. Recall that Jesus said to Saul, as he was on the road to Damascus, breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, 
Acts 9, 3-5, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. How one treats the disciples of Christ is how they are treating Jesus. This is a most serious matter. Jesus takes it very personally, and it is telling. D.A. Carson says, quote, As people respond to his disciples or brothers and align themselves with their distress and afflictions, they align themselves with the Messiah who identifies himself with them. End of quote. There are sins of omission and sins of commission. Not doing good is the moral equivalent before God of doing evil. To not care about his people is morally evil. Moody Bible Commentary says, quote, Those who are not true followers of Jesus will not show kindness to believers, whether they are Jewish or Gentile believers, and will also thereby indicate that they have no connection with him. End of quote. Matthew 25:46. Jesus finally says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The goats who showed no kindness to God's people, that is, saved Jews in this context, demonstrated that they didn't really care about Jesus. They didn't really know Jesus. And consequently, they will go away into everlasting punishment. In contrast, the righteous sheep who did care for God's people, in reality showed that they really did know Jesus, and consequently, they will enter into eternal life. Bible com- uh, Wycliffe Bible Commentary, quote, While eternal life may imply a qualitative as well as quantitative concept, the aspect of unending duration cannot be disassociated from the word. End of quote. The word used here for everlasting or eternal is the very same word used to describe the eternality of God in Romans 16.26 and 1 Timothy 1.17. Some have tried to say that while eternal life in heaven is forever, the suffering in hell is only temporary, and eventually annihilation will consume them. However, the Greek word translated eternal in eternal life is the very same Greek word used to translate everlasting in everlasting punishment. ESV translates this, and these shall go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And that's a good translation because uh, it is eternal in both cases, eternal punishment and eternal life. The very same adjective, uh, Greek, anoos, is used in reference to both the punishment and the blessing of life. Both are equal in duration. Sometimes people want to say that everyone has eternal life. It's just that some will experience it in hell, and some will experience it in heaven. Really, that is not biblically accurate. The lost have eternal existence, but it's not eternal life. They will experience eternal death or eternal punishment. Revelation 20.14 describes being cast into the lake of fire as second death. There is nothing about life here. It's all death. Eternal death. Eternal punishment. Eternal separation from God. 
Only saved people will go into the kingdom. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, John 3, 3. When Nicodemus asked him, how can these things be? Jesus went on to say, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And who are true believers? Well, true faith manifests itself in a love for God's people. That is a major identifying mark of those born again. The following is a testimony of a man who lived in Germany under the tyranny of Adolf Hitler. Quote, I lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. I considered myself a Christian. We heard stories of what was happening to the Jews, but we tried to distance ourselves from it because what could anyone do to stop it? A railroad track ran behind our small church, and each Sunday morning we would hear the whistle in the distance, and then the wheels coming across the tracks. We became disturbed when we heard the cries coming from the train as it passed by. We realized that it was carrying Jews like cattle in cars. Week after week, the whistle would blow. We dreaded to hear the sound of those wheels because we knew that we would hear the cries of the Jews en route to the, a death camp. Their screams tormented us. We knew the time the train was coming, and when we heard the whistle blow, we began singing hymns. By the time the train came past our church, we were singing at the top of our voices. If we heard the screams, we sang more loudly, and soon we heard them no more. Years have passed, and no one talks about it anymore, but I still hear that train whistle in my sleep. God forgive me. Forgive all of us who called ourselves Christians and yet did nothing to intervene. Story shared from the book Hitler's Cross by Erwin Lutzer, page 99 and 100. Lutzer also says in that same book, most discussions of the Holocaust speak of two groups of people, the Nazi perpetrators and the Jewish victims. There were also many bystanders who numbered in the millions, most of whom would have, who would have described themselves as Christians. The majority sought refuge in neutrality. Catch that line. The majority sought refuge in neutrality. Yet whether we like to admit it or not, this neutrality was in effect complicity. End of quote. Proverbs 24, 11 and 12, deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? God help us to have the mind of Christ towards his brethren, all fellow believers. For in ministering to them, we are indeed ministering to Christ himself. It's all about Jesus.